Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Avon! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Because this week the warm up is coming. It's about time to welcome to the uh, Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and we are live. So uh, you can join the show if you want to give us a call by calling 414 799 1250, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about him, Danny Bush, and me, Tom Neubauer, and Sam Schmitz on the boards. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Tom. Looking forward to that warm-up this week? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, Tom, uh, I and uh, the great Al Shook, Mr. Al Shook me all night long, are going to North Dakota. So... Um, yeah, I'm glad it's going to be warmer because I'm thinking North Dakota can be pretty darn cold as well. So I'm thinking if it's going to be fairly decent here, it'll probably be better there as well. So, uh, so yeah, hoping to whack some perch and pike, buddy. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, I, uh, I have you got any pheasants in your freezer? No, I got two no. dead ones in the back of my truck that I forgot about. And then, then oh, when the no. snow kind of blew off the back of the truck there, I saw feathers sticking out. Okay, yeah, I well, forgot. Today's <laughs> gut report was for you, but I still got to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, you got a pheasant recipe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but you can do it with chicken. So, you know, I did it with chicken because I didn't have any pheasants. So. You know, Tom, I'm starting to get the opinion that you whatever you can do with chicken, you can do with pheasant. Yep. You can do with grouse and vice versa. You know what I mean? Yep. Probably those bird recipes. Now, duck and geese, that's another story. Yeah, that's different. But uh, yeah. there's special ways to do that as well. 
Uh, however, goose jerky is pretty darn good. My friend Arizona makes some of that. But uh, yeah, I'm eagerly looking forward, Tom, to that duck recipe. How about a, a sturgeon recipe? You got any sturgeon recipes? Nope, never, never made a sturgeon at all. Never. You did. never had sturgeon. Nope, never okay. did. You know, I think my brother gave me some steaks when he speared that one years ago, and uh, I don't think I ever, uh, I don't think I ever had any. But uh, sturgeon spearing's going pretty good. Apparently, they've gotten four over 150 pounds. Over Big 150? Females. Yeah, four Ooh. over 150 pounds this year. Wow. There have been several hundred pound males, which is truly amazing. Yeah, wow. Uh, several, which I mean, when they, you got a hundred pound male, that's that's really saying something. So uh, that's been pretty amazing. And the other thing, too, uh, a lot of the big sturgeon that they've got uh, have been tagged before. In fact, one of the males, I think, had been tagged in 2000, uh, I want to say two, and it had grown 10 inches in that time. So it really shows you the effective job that our Wisconsin DNR is doing as far as when those make they make the runs up river, they do a lot of tagging and for research purposes, and uh, they recover a lot of those tags. It's amazing. A uh, big body of water like that, what are the odds of getting a tagged one? But they must have a lot of them tagged in order for them to be recovering them. Uh, as far as the big the sizes, uh, I checked out the record Saturday, which opened, I think, last week Saturday. Biggest was 160 pounds. Uh, Sunday, 121 pounds. Monday, 123 pounds. Uh, let's see, Tuesday, another 150 pounder. Wednesday, 134. Thursday, 154. Friday, 130. And today is yet to be determined. So they are getting a lot of big sturgeon, Tom. And it's interesting. I would liken sturgeon spearing to deer hunting because you'll see guys, you know how guys put the big buck in the back of their truck yeah. and stand there proudly displaying it. And you'll see these guys posing for pictures with that big sturgeon strapped in the back of their truck. It's like the big buck. And uh, it, it really is something. And, and uh, I give those guys credit for being able to, uh, to sit out there. And uh, interesting story. I talked to Randy from Midwestern Shooter Supply and uh, stopped and talked to him. If anybody's looking for firearms, they are one place that you can uh, go to that, unlike other places that shall remain nameless where you don't see a firearm left uh, in the handgun counter, they still have firearms up at Midwestern Shooter Supply. So I highly recommend them. Uh, but Randy said that we're talking about new electronics and some of that, what, the Garmin 360 and the stuff. He said he talked to a guy who was spearing, and he actually had that. And he could see the sturgeon coming in from, like, I don't know, 30 yards off to the side. And it's coming. You know, it, it, it'd be cool. It's like looking at a submarine on a radar screen, I guess. And yeah. you can see the thing coming right towards your hole. And then at the last minute, it turned it didn't go under his hole, but he could, underneath the ice, he could see light from a hole close by. And on his, uh, on his electronics, he actually watched the guy next to him spear the fish. And actually, he's watching it struggle and thrash under the water on his unit after the other guy speared it. So, unbelievably, that'd be really cool. But, I'll tell uh, you, these electronic units nowadays are just unreal. So I mean, good. guys are telling me it's almost like cheating. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I it's 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 not like man. I, I I'm, I'm out of words to describe with the new electronics today. And all I got to say is uh, I will be upgrading at some point soon. I guess got to get with the times. Yeah, I suppose some. Yeah, some people go. You know, though, I'll tell you, Danny, when when you're talking open water fishing, if you understand the fish and understand what type of prey they're after, and you can find the weed lines, you know, and the hard bottom versus soft bottom, if if you know those and you can find that on your locator, you know, the weeds and hard bottom and soft bottom, uh, you know, you you stand a pretty good chance of finding the fish, but. It all comes down to understanding the fish first. And, you know, for some people it takes a lot of reading. For other people it takes a lot of time on the water. But uh, we always have to learn from our mistakes, too, you know. Those, uh, if we didn't have bad days fishing, we wouldn't uh, appreciate the good ones. So, hey, Danny, I got it real quickly. Did you uh, look at your email yet? Yeah, I did. I just checked that from one of our listeners. What yeah, do we got, we, Bob in Stumpy Bay? Yeah, we got an email from Bob, and he says, Have you or the mighty tree rodent hunter, I think he means you, ever see one like this? Looks like a cross between a tabby cat and a fox squirrel. Uh, anyway, uh, he, he wishes we had a fan page to contribute stuff so everybody could see, but we don't. But anyway, it's called. Uh, he called it a piebald squirrel, white gray and brown yeah basically one like that basically it's a fox squirrel yeah um the most the natural coloration of the head and the back a fox squirrel has a gray kind of a back just like a gray squirrel so uh that's not uh anything unusual the last part of the tail fox squirrel but the white that's interjected in there like the tip of the tail the tip of the nose base of the tail and then the uh, lower three quarters of the body, uh, yeah, it basically looks like a piebald. Is that what piebald? Yeah, piebald. I think they call Something them. Like that, you yeah. see, you see deer like that. Um, it looks like a piebald squirrel. I, I don't think it's been photoshopped. Now I gotta Google and find out if piebald squirrels are possible. I'm guessing that uh, if they're possible in in deer, they're possible in other mammals or rodents i guess i should say in the case of a fox squirrel uh truly a magnificent magnificent creature i if i saw something like that in the woods i'll tell you what that thing would be mounted on a log i'll tell you um although if it were in your backyard and you're watching it on your feet or in town you'd it it would be too unique to bump that one off you'd probably want to look at that one out the kitchen window till the till the hawks got it or it died of old age, whichever yeah. came first. Yeah, we got another email. Um, our friend Bruce, uh, the Uper, uh, went fishing yesterday. He sends very exciting emails. He went fishing yesterday. That's it? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's the report? What? Huh? That's it. Those are almost as bad as your bridge reports, Tom. Hey, you know, it's funny. Bruce uh, Bruce the Uper will send an email almost once a week telling us that he went fishing. I mean, well, he might good. say, like, oh, I caught an undersized northern, or oh, I caught a few bluegills. But that's about it. Yeah, I went fishing yesterday. <laughs> well, I'm going to, Bruce, uh, Tom wants to know what you caught, what you had for breakfast, what your favorite <laughs> groups are. Oh, man, it's so funny. Uh, yeah. I, get a, I get a kick out of it. I do. Uh, well, we've got... you know, hey, uh, 
Oh, I got a few other things here. Maybe I should wait with some of these. Yeah, yeah, let's wait. Why uh, Why bust it all out in why, the first why 15 minutes, right for away, God's sake? Right? And, and yeah. not emails, but something that I found in a magazine. So Something anyway, you found. Yeah, we can wait. We can wait. Yeah. Uh, later in today's show, Tom, yeah. I want to bear with you to bear with me for a segment anyway. I want to talk some ice fishing for Big Pike. And I don't want to spill the beans yet, but I'm going to be talking some stuff. So uh, okay. we'll be talking turkey about Big Pike, which is my favorite type of ice fishing to do. You're going to be talking about turkeys and pike? No, I'm just kind of saying I, I talking turkey. But, oh, you're joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just okay. kidding there. Drum roll. Okay. Uh, jokes. We got jokes right away first thing in the morning. That's why people listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully they're laughing with us, not they, at they, us. They wake, <laughs> they wake up just to hear this. And uh, while we're at it, we do want to thank our many listeners out there. Tuning in this morning, we always thank law enforcement officers. We back the badge, support the blue uh, we also first responders, healthcare workers, uh, military, and uh, let's see, I've, I've thanked the grocery store workers, I've thanked the truck drivers, uh, let's see, who else have I, uh, the convenience store workers. Uh, I want to thank all the Chinese food workers out there at the Chinese restaurants giving me my good food, because I got some sesame chicken yesterday delivered to my door, and those guys work hard and fast if you go in those restaurants, appreciate those guys too. Yes, they do, and I and I tell you what, I we've got my wife and I have got a favorite Chinese restaurant that we go to in Menominee Falls, and you know they've been well, they're they're closed to their indoor buffet, okay? Can't do the buffet, can't, the buffet can't anymore. Grabbing you know stuff. So is it buffet but, or buffet, Tom? It's, it's buffet, but okay. I try to be a little fancy and call it. Buffet. I like buffet. Yeah. It sounds but, French. Hey, least, honey, would you like they, to go out for a little buffet? At least you admit it. At least you know it's like buffet. Yeah, I know it's buffet. But anyway, and um, but they're open for takeout, okay? Not delivery, though, for takeout. And I have got such a hankering. i got to go over there. I mean, I prefer their buffet, okay? I prefer that. Well, but, yeah, that's uh, all you I'm can eat. Have to I go mean, over there, so. Yeah. Well, those, those buffets are dangerous, Tom. They I are. haven't done a I haven't done a buffet in a long time because no matter what you got to keep eating even past the point where your your stomach is signaling your brain that you're full. You know there's a reason for that signal. That means you're supposed to stop, but mo- most of us don't have the willpower to do so. Yeah, I know what you mean, especially when it tastes so darn good, you know. Well, this is the, I had Chinese last night for the first time in I don't know about a year. I've really tried to cut down on the old sodium intake. Uh, I think they're, uh, I woke up thirsty at 2 in the morning, so I, I, I think they were pretty high on, uh, is it the MSG that's supposed to be re- real high salt content yeah, MSG, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. MSG. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know everything. How, do you ever, can you go to a, go out to the a grocery store and buy a, a little, uh, like next to the salt and pepper, can you buy a thing of MSG? Yes, you can. You can? Yes, you can. What's it called? MSG. Oh, okay, good. All right, okay. <laughs> <That's> what it's <laughs> called. <laughs> I'll tell you. Let me write that down real quick so I remember. Okay, while you're writing that down, we're going to go to a quick break, all right? All right, sounds okay, good. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors.
back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, Sam, a good choice of bumper music today. Let's keep the hardcore rock and roll going if you can. Can we Can we do that as a theme today? Say less. Okay, it's rock and roll. All right, uh, I'm Dan Bush along with Tommy the True Neubauer. And uh, Tommy, I got to announce before I forget, the this is the big one today. Walleyes for tomorrow, the Pewaukee chapter has their uh, fishery going today. Uh, this is going to be one of the best ice fisheries on Pewaukee Lake. 22 degrees and sunny. It's going to be like summer out there, although I don't think it's going to be 22 degrees till later today. Now, here's the deal. They are going to be set up out on the ice. Uh, you can buy a main raffle ticket for 5 bucks, which puts you in a drawing for a 65-inch Samsung TV. $500, then $300, and then they've got all kinds of other smaller prizes afterwards. And then you can go out, and they've got some bucket raffle items. They've got a uh, otter sled, a propane auger, another shanty, booze wagon, slammer musky, lure basket, yeti cooler, golf bag, and irons, uh, and Aquaview beer tower, uh, thanks to Miller's Coors Brewery. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Swing out by Waterfront. You can uh, buy tickets, I believe, right at the Walleye Wagon with, with the Old Turk and Dakota will be out there um, working. Uh, Dakota's doing a fine job for his father out there. And uh, fish prizes uh, are right after weigh-in. Ends at like 4. So going out there today should be a good fishery. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, it sounds like a person could actually win something, you know. Yeah, you know, I did buy a ticket. Um, I would have fished in this one, Tom, except uh, I forgot. I got to go out with uh, the quick and the deadly Al Shook and uh, the equally quick and deadly Mike Scalander. Uh, going to go out there doing some, uh, shoot some uh, chickens at Wern Valley. And uh, I'll be doing that f at 8 o'clock. Therefore, uh, I'll be sneaking out of the show early today. But maybe when I get back from Wern, Maybe I'll have to take a drive on out there. Now, I, I did uh, I did fish last weekend, Tom, yeah. and uh, I tried to, uh, I bought some fishery tickets again. I, as you know, I set my tip-ups out here. Uh, I was having a little bit of a problem. I've got a couple older tip-ups, and what I found, Tom, in the cold weather, the grease was just freezing up inside, you know, and they just were not turning well. So I, I lost several fish that ran offline and then, you know, they dropped it or ripped the shiner off. Yeah. So I've since uh, retired those. I got some new ones that I'll be going up with uh, Al to North Dakota with. But right before uh, I was going to quit yesterday, uh, yesterday, last Saturday, uh, I did, or perhaps it was Sunday. One day runs into the next when you're retired out fishing every day. Uh, I was out there, and right before I was going to quit, a flag went up. So I went out there, and I'm fighting this fish, fighting this fish, and I see underneath it's green, it's a muskie. So I, I finally got it to the hole. It wasn't a real huge one, Tom. But you know how I was commenting last week how uh, Doug Stangy and In Fisherman Magazine was talking about how he's kind of gotten away from using wire leaders all the time, yeah. that he's been using 20-pound fluorocarbon, and he says, have I gotten bit off yet? No, will I? Yes. Well, guess what? You can get bit off with 20-pound fluorocarbon because I did. Uh -huh. Yeah, I got oh. I got the muskie's head in the hole, and just as its snout came out, all of a sudden, pink. And it, the thing, especially, I think, with a bigger fish, I think it's probably less likely because I think they're big old teeth. Maybe they're more of a gap between them or whatever. Those smaller fish, I think they got those needle-nose 
uh, teeth close together and especially this one didn't have its mouth open it had its jaws just clamped shut and okay. with and when they're shaking their head back and forth that's when you're gonna and it broke off and for a split second i could have grabbed it but i just kind of sank back down in the hole and uh, so yes uh, now since that time i've caught several pike and um, using 40 pound fluorocarbon and I have found that the 40-pound fluorocarbon, in my humble opinion, is the way to go for quick-strike rigs for pike. Way less likely as far as losing them. Now, is that little bit thicker line going to be, you know, a little bit worse for if you're trying to finesse them in super clear water? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I think the fluorocarbon is pretty much invisible to them overall. Uh, the thicker 40-pound isn't as supple as a 20-pound. Whether or not they sense that or not, who knows. But I've had pretty good luck with the 40. Nothing's broken that off. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's been like the thing that's been uh, the big thing over the last several years, you know, using the fluorocarbon. And, uh, I mean, I don't ice fish anymore. But I'll tell you, for, for me, I still want to use a thin wire leader, you know. I mean, I'm not talking... Some of these guys will go out there when they got a 60-pound leader, you know, for, for catching the pike under the ice, and I, I wouldn't advocate that. But a thinner wire leader, you know, like uh, an 18-pound or even a 12-pound leader would be adequate, I think, because I know I'm not going to get bit off, but, you know, you're right. I might not get as many bites, though. I so think... I suppose I, it's a toss-up, you know? I, I think, Tom, that... Here's the thing with the old stranded wire. Now, they used to call seven strand. There's yeah. another brand called surf strand. Yeah. Pretty much it's the stranded. Uh, with the 18 pound, uh, I did have a break off on Lake Geneva years ago. And what I found was with that stranded wire, you got to watch it carefully because if you get a sharp kink in it, that's when oh, you're in the danger. That's when you're in the danger yep. zone with that. So since that time, I've upped it to about the 27 or 30 pound 30 pound is about ideal um john had an old spool of some berkeley stuff at his old bait shop years ago that i could always go and use it and tie as many quick strike rigs before i went up to lake of the woods and 30 pound i've even used 40 pound um my biggest pike ever under the ice in lake of the woods i was using about a 13 to 14 inch musky size dead sucker and uh, I, it was so heavy that it would trip the tip up. So I had to take and tie some string on the, on the spindle of the tip up so that it would kind of catch, catch it and, and would hold it from tripping on its own. Uh, or a rubber band would work as well. But uh, I would, uh, for that one, I used 40 pound. Uh, and the 40 pound worked pretty darn good, especially with the bigger bait and some bigger trebles. Uh, one thing that does work really well, I discovered while tip-up fishing up in Manitoba on Buffalo Bay, they require uh, barbless hooks. Well, you know, all you got to do is take a, a needle nose pliers and squeeze the barbs down. And then I sharpened. I took a little stone and sharpened so it was just razor sharp. And I actually found that I, I feel that with those barbless hooks, when you go to grab the tip-up line on a running fish, it just seems to really sink those hooks into the fish real easily and we you really don't lose them long as you keep steady pressure and they're much easier to take out even if they get the bait down into their throat just a little bit without that barb you can pop it out and i really think it actually helps you as far as catching them as well 
Yeah, I agree. It's uh, getting rid of the barb. Uh, uh, I've done it uh, on a couple of places. I remember on, uh, uh, like on Bass's Bay on Big Muskego, we would catch a lot of pike there, and I, I knocked off the barbs on a number of my lures, you know, knocked them down, uh, just because uh, it was just such a pain in the butt unhooking those pike, you know, whereas without the barbs, it came off real easy, and I and I don't remember missing any. So uh, I do want to make a quick update, though, that on March 13th and 14th, Smokey's Musky Shop is having their liquidation sale. So you want to mark it on your calendar, March 13th and 14th. Must, Smokey's Musky Shop uh, will be no more. It's being leased out to somebody. They'll still sell live bait and have uh, some lures for non-musky species, but they're getting rid of all that musky stuff. So, folks, put that on your calendar, March 13th and 14th, Smokey's Musky Shop liquidation sale. When right. um, when we go to break, I'm going to go to my uh, text messages on my phone here, and I do have a message that they want me to announce um, it, with more information just in pertaining to the shop. So okay, what I'll have to great. do is I'll have to go to that and write it down because uh, when I'm on this app here, I can't check my emails at the same time, or at least I don't know how to do it. Right. We'll do that. Uh, uh, you can do that during the gut report. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like a plan, And when Sam. we come back from it, then the only problem is you're going to miss the gut report. You're going to have to go back on the podcast and listen to it. Son of a gun. <laughs> it's my special my special pheasant cooking gut report. Yep. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. Hey, another announcement. If you got a shanty out on the ice, uh, deadlines are... Uh, coming up now i think from all state waters march 15th that's pretty much been the date for years hasn't it tom i always march thought 15th. it was the first saturday in march okay maybe maybe you're correct Down about south that. here okay well all by march 15th but then there's early deadlines for inlet in the land and boundary waters uh wisconsin iowa boundary waters by february 20th that's today friends wisconsin minnesota march 1st uh, let's see, inland waters south of, Hi oh, Tom, you are so smart, inland waters south of Highway 64 by the first Sunday following March 1st, so that's, I kind of think, what you were alluding to. Okay. Uh, Lake Michigan, Green Bay, Lake Superior, and inland waters north of Highway 64 by the first Sunday following March 12th, and Wisconsin-Michigan boundary waters by March 15th. So the bottom line, just get your, just go out today and get your shack off the water. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, there's going to be plenty of ice to leave it out another week, so uh, that that won't be a problem, I don't think. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, there's 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 plenty of ice. Now we've had this cold snap, which actually got some ice. You know, I was talking to uh, my good friend Dale, the boat mechanic. You know, he's out by uh, I think is it called Kelly's Island out there on Lake Erie. And, you know, as you know, they could catch giant walleyes through the ice. But when I talked to him about 10 days ago, they weren't really, he's with a guy who was a guide. They weren't really doing so hot. They caught a couple smaller ones. They said that the bigger ones are going to start hitting. I was talking to Randy at Midwestern, and he says, yeah, some guys are starting to get some big ones. But then he mentioned this, and I've heard this from several people, and we got to go to break here in a sec, uh, that that's, some pretty gosh darn dangerous fishing out there. He talked to a local out there when he went out there, and one of the local guys who was a first responder said, you guys are crazy, you know. 
he said, you know, it's not really publicized well, but every year there's at least a couple guys that die out there. Um, he said, uh, you know, it's highly dangerous, and we all know what happened up in Door County as far as drifting on ice flows. So I've decided I'm not going to experience that ice fishing on Lake Erie probably ever. <laughs> that might be a wise move on your part. Right. All right, we gotta we got to go to a break, folks. Coming up next is the gut report, so stay tuned for that here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Yeah, man, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this, folks, is a recipe that if you've got some pheasants around, that would be great. You need, uh, oh, it, it depends on how many you have, 8 to 16. Now we're talking about the pheasant legs with the thighs attached. Now, I made this recipe with chicken legs and thighs, but they were not attached because, yeah, that's pretty big. So I cut those in half. Here's the ingredients. Well, you want to salt the pheasant or chicken legs first. There's, uh, you got salt. you got two teaspoons of garlic powder, a quarter cup of sweet paprika, one can of condensed Campbell's cream of mushroom soup, one cup of cream, and the chopped parsley is optional. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees, salt the pheasant or chicken legs well, and dust with a little bit of garlic powder and paprika. Now combine uh, the condensed soup with the cream and add any, many, any remaining paprika and a hit of garlic powder. Pour half of this into a casserole dish, place the pheasant or chicken legs skin side up, and then pour the rest of the cream soup mixture over the legs. Cover the casserole with foil and bake for about 30 minutes. Remove the foil and bake uncovered for about another hour or until the meat begins to fall from the bone. Remove it from the oven. Make sure you are your oven mitts. And then uh, if you want the parsley, you know, sprinkle the parsley over it. I'm telling you what, folks, this is really good. Now, if you want to add extra mushrooms to it, you can. If if you want to add a few onions, you can. And, you know, if you want to add a few extra things. But this basic recipe is really good for the pheasants. It would be good for grouse. Any of those except for, like, duck and geese. Of course, you wouldn't want to use that. But for chicken legs and thighs, yes, indeedy. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price selection and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Welcome back to Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening and getting on board for another ride on the crazy train today. And I'm Dan Bush along with Tommy Neubauer. And thanks, Tom. I was back for that enlightening pheasant recipe on the world-famous gut report. Uh, basically, as far as just adding on a smoke on, on a closing musky shop, uh, just kind of reiterating, not a whole lot of, I checked my text, not a whole lot of news uh, but basically, it's going to be owned by the gentleman that owns Water's Edge Boat Club. His name is John. Uh, last name, I think, is Heimish or H-E-I-M-S-C-H. John, if I'm mispronouncing your name, 
Sorry, man. Uh, it's going to be open as a bait shop for the open water season. Um, so, you know, you're gonna, there's, of course, there's still the boat slips out there, and they'll have rental boats, I believe, for fishing. And uh, Water's Edge Boat Club has their, you know, they have their different types of boats that you can rent, not just fishing boats and stuff. But uh, it's going to be run right there. It'll be a nice operation. The only thing is, is uh, oh, and you can get live bait there from what I understand. The only thing is you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, buy, go in there and buy a bulldog anymore uh, or your uh, bucktail or the tallywhacker or whatever. You're going to have to get your tallywhackers and bucktails elsewhere, my friends. Uh, but as Tom mentioned, they will be selling some stuff out there. And uh, so you probably... Going out there March 13th and 14th. Probably be a lot of people, Tom. I guess a lot of people are probably missing the fact that uh, they can't go to any of the sports shows this year. At least they, I haven't heard of any shows that actually went down. Have you? Yeah, there was one up in uh, Wausau. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but there was one up in Wausau. Okay. Uh, now, another show that uh, used to be pretty popular was the All Canada Show. Uh, I did, my, my dad must have got on the All Canada Show's mailing list because he has now passed away, but <laughs> I got a All Canada Show, uh, like a little paper, you know, like the type that they'd normally give away at their All Canada Shows yeah. with all the advertisements for the vendors, and it looks like, uh, it looks like Canada's going to be open for business again this, this year. Have you heard anything about it? Well, they, they would have had the show already, I thought. Yeah, they would have had the show, right? Yeah. They're not going to have the show, but I'm, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that you can go to Canada, yeah, fishing, right, yeah. right. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm thinking uh, that if they're getting uh, if if they're sending this paper out, I'm just looking at it now um, to see if they make a definitive statement that uh, uh, that it's going to be open. But it here at the end of one of their things, it says, "Enjoy your 2021 trip to Canada." So. I'm guessing maybe one of our listeners can call in 414-799-1250 and let us know, have you heard definitive news that your resort in Canada is going to be open for business? Hopefully, hopefully it is. Those poor people up there, they suffered quite a bit a beating. What we ought to do, Tom, is get a hold of uh, it's uh, of Jeff. at He's at, is it Temple Bay Lodge that he's yeah. at? Yeah, we ought to get a hold of him and have him kind of give us a report. Maybe we can work on that for next week. Well, I got a couple of important updates, Danny. Okay, uh, update Rapala, away. or Rapala, actually. Rapala. Rapala is recalling electric fillet knives. You might want to go on their website to find out exactly which ones they are. Um, it's uh, at C-U-S-T-E-R, no, Excuse me, C U S T S E R O P. I don't know. I can't read that. Anyway, Rapala.com. <laughs> You'll find a well, phone number well, and ask them exactly which models and which years are being recalled. They're afraid that when you plug them in to recharge the batteries, they start on fire. The other oh, thing, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what the know? heck could be wrong with the fillet knife? What's it going to cut your arm off or something? Is it like a chainsaw will go, go out of control? Well, but, no, it just starts on fire, and depending on where you have it, could could start your house on fire maybe. I don't know. But anyway, a lot of people, we had some people coming in trying to get their wolf permits, but they didn't know if there was going to be a season or not. 
and I just found this out. There are a couple of points on the Wolf situation uh, that they'd like to clarify that, you know, of course, we know that the wolves are no longer protected. And uh, wolves are now under the state management in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota until the point that animals' rights groups might success, be successful in legally challenging it in federal courts. Basically, even though there was a plenty of discussion about the status of the DNR's wolf plan during January, uh, the legislative hearing and on January 22nd, Natural Resources Board special meeting, it says that uh, there does not have to be an update, which means they're basically, I don't know, uh, taking their time on deciding. Now, they were petitioned to have a wolf hunt in, in uh, February, but of course February is almost gone. They're talking about having one in, you know, in the fall, but like you said, Danny, that's not a, the greatest okay. of ideas, maybe. Okay. You know? And there's Tom. There's new information on it. Okay. Good. The hunt. It. The hunt starts in two days. Oh, really? Yes. When did uh, that I got, come out? I didn't get that. Yeah, I got this information on Monday. Uh, basically, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources announced Monday that a wolf harvest season will take place February 22nd to the 28th. Now, what they had announced this past Monday was this, that all hunters and trappers interested in obtaining a wolf harvest permit or preference point must apply beginning at 12.01 a.m. Tuesday, February 16th. The application period closes at 11.59 p.m. on Saturday today. So I am going to go online and apply for a preference point. Now, if you applied to try and get a harvest permit, the word I heard was they were going to be giving 4,000 harvest permits out. And uh, I maybe, who knows, I don't know how many people would apply at this point because how many people can just automatically say, oh, I'm going hunting for wolves next week. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, do have it's a... Like, and, and they only, you know, they come out with this saying, okay, you've got four days to apply I mean, it doesn't give people a lot of time, you know. No, and it, but I did think if I weren't going up to North Dakota, uh, I would have applied. I've got a permit, uh, a point from way back when. Who knows? Maybe I would have got lucky and got one. I could go up to the palatial estate in Douglas County and see if I could shoot uh, a member of the Empire Pack that runs the Nemagi River Valley there. Yeah. But basically, it said customers could apply through their Gold, Go Wild account or through a License agent application permit fee is ten dollars, uh, but if you get selected for the license, that's another forty-nine dollars. Now here's here's the story, Tom. Apparently, uh, there was something a state statute that this is what I heard from my brother anyway, and I might I hope I don't quote this wrong, but there was some kind of state statute that said that when they became delisted, that there must be a season. Uh, by a certain time or whatever. So right. the DNR That's wasn't going to have one, but then I heard that some group uh, actually was going to sue the state saying, hey, you're violating the state statute. You must have a season now. And that's why they real hurriedly put this together, Tom. Right. I think it was something that the, the, the outfit was something about uh, Hunters of America or something like that. Maybe one of our listeners will know, you know. And uh, just to let people know, we're going to be playing the Hornswoggle coming up next. 
Danny's got his questions ready for you. Now, we're changing things up a little bit. That we are. If, you, if you've won the Hornschwaggle in the last two months, don't call. Sam is uh, keeping track of everybody who wins and who calls and all that. Now, if you're the lady who did not win last week, yes, you can call because you didn't win, and Danny thought he was overly harsh on you, on you with the questions. But then again, the lady that called last week, she was getting bad info from somebody in the background. So if so, you haven't won, and we're going to say emphasize one. Yeah, if you in, haven't in, won in the last two in, months. In, in two months. Uh, the reason is we want to get new blood, people yeah, a chance. Give other people a chance. You and, know? and that's also for, it's only fair for our uh, advertisers because they want to have people come into their place and the more right. new people that are introduced to their business. So it's just a win-win thing um, for, for everybody on that. So if you haven't won. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you, though, Tom, I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to start making these questions a little bit tougher, Tom. Uh, you know, That's people okay. should have some, I mean, you're supposed to have a knowledge of the outdoors, and this should be a little bit of a challenge here. So Exactly, exactly. You want to make it a little difficult. I mean, you got to make people think a little bit. So uh, anyway, folks, if you want to be a contestant, you just got to call 414-799-1250. And what you'll win, if you win, is a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market in Menominee Falls. That's on the corner of Silver Spring and Pilgrim Road. So call now, 414-799-1250. We'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Good choice of bumper music, my friend Sam. And I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer. Uh, thanks for uh, listening. And uh, we've got our Hornschwaggle segment. Do we have a contestant? Yep, today we got Torrance from the north side of Milwaukee. Hey, all right, there's a new name. Terrence? Yeah. Torrance? Good morning, Torrance. Good morning, fellas. Yep, Torrance. Morning, how are you doing? Hey, Torrance, you been doing any fishing lately? No, don't do the ice fishing. Yeah, Don't see, do he's the a smart guy, Danny. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, so let me ask you this: Are, You're an open water fisherman? Yes, I am. All right. What 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 do you like to fish for mostly? Uh, mainly bass, bass, panfish, and catfish. Okay, good, good. The good eating ones, it sounds like. Well, hopefully, uh, we got some warm weather coming up pretty soon, and uh, and you'll be out doing that fishing. So here we go, the horn swoggle. I'm going to make a statement. And if I'm pulling your leg, then you just say that's a horn schwaggle. Um, but if I'm speaking the truth, you just say no horn schwaggle. Okay, uh, hound hunting. Hunting with bloodhounds and hounds. Uh, that type of hunting isn't just the modern type of hunting. That type of hunting's been going on for centuries. Horn schwaggle or no horn schwaggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Right, right. I mean, they've been, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, fascinating, the history as far as is how, how long, you know, man has been using hounds. Yeah, you know, I did with. that one time, Danny. Did you? Yeah, I'll tell you about it later. Good, because I wanted to, that's one thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, because I was reading an in interesting article on this 
because apparently hound hunting starting to get kind of a, a bad rap among it's kind of a target from anti-hunting groups and even some hunters who think there's no 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 place left it's not in america for that and and i i really think that that's probably uh wrong but we can talk about that later okay you're one for one torrance okay number two bloodhounds have over 200 million scent receptors in their brains as compared to just 5 million in a human brain and that means their sense of smell is 1000 times better than our own hornswoggle or no hornswoggle hornswoggle no that's a no hornswoggle no hornswoggle yeah it's amazing that they can and this information is uh uh, sourced from Peterson's Hunting Magazine. Okay, you're one out of one. You got a sh- chance. Okay, we're talking about we're talking about uh, dogs for hunting. If you want to hunt the wily cottontail rabbit, the beagle is a great choice for running those rabbits. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? That's a no hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. All, right. all right, you bet. Running them with beagles. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, I forget, he sent us a nice email that his dad likes to run him with beagles. Maybe I'll have to take him up on hunting with his dad and beagles someday. It sounds fascinating. So anyway, Torrance, uh, we really appreciate you uh, listening. Leave your address and I'll get you a gift certificate to Carl's Country Market, $10. You're going to love their meats out there. All right, sounds good. All right, all right take care, man. All right. All right. Very you good. Know, Danny. When I was uh, younger, there was a neighbor, I was a teenager then, and he had a blue tick coon hound. I think you've heard of those, blue tick coon hounds. It was a raccoon hound. And he asked me one time if I wanted to go raccoon hunting with him, and I said, sure. Well, I didn't know we go at night, okay? That was number one surprise to me. We went at night, and, you know, you let the the, the coon hound go, and you got to chase it. you got to follow it. And you're running in the woods, and you're tripping over things left and right. I'm telling you, I never worked so hard, you know, to try to get a raccoon, which we never got, by the way. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, that was just the hardest darn thing I did. That was crazy. It's, you know, at night, running through the woods at night, that, that was just nuts. You know, so I, I think... never did it again. I think I just got a, a a brilliant idea for a you know weight loss program. You know they got the keto diet. Yeah. Uh, they got the Atkins diet, the coon diet. Yeah. Go chasing <laughs> raccoons in the middle of the night. Coon diet. <laughs> Get on out there, boy. Yeah. Get going. Oh. Catch up on that coon, son. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I forgot to mention this at the gut report, but the recipe I gave today was in the book. Hunt, Gather, and Cook, written by uh, Hank Shaw out there in Madison. So I wanted to thank Hank Shaw for that recipe. Anyway, I forgot to do that. You know, whenever I, if I see something in a book and I, you know, repeat it on the air, I want to give credit to where I got it from. You know, it's only fair. So, yeah, uh, I like that. that, I mean, I'm not going to be taken up on that weight loss program of running through the woods at night. But there you go. Yeah. It sounds like fun. While I'm still while I'm still young and still the top notch athlete, I was at Green Bay Preble back in 1976. I had to try that coon hunting. But right now we've got another great athlete on the line. Well, I don't know. Probably was. We got a caller on the line, Tom. All right. I'm not sure about an athlete, but Rich in Milwaukee is on the line. 
Rich in Milwaukee. Hey, good morning, so, Rich. I'm an athlete, all right. All right. You're not just an athlete, you're an athlete. I'm an athlete, and the last thing starts with an E also. Hey. hey. Uh, I've got, I've got a little bit of a problem with this wolf hunt coming up. I, I've got three preference points that, that, that were established since the last hunt existed. Gotcha. And it, it almost sounds like I'm going to have to try to reapply for this, this, uh, this couple-day hunt, which I'm just not prepared for. Well, I don't that's... think a lot of people are. You know, yeah, it... if, I think it would be great if they came to us first and say, look, we're going to have an option if you want to get in on this hunt or bypass it and get another preference point. You, you can. That would be a nice system. You can. You, you can. You can. From what I understand, Rich, you can just apply for the preference point as long as you do it by 11.59 p.m. today. Oh, so, okay. So that's what... That's, so then I'll that's have what, four preference points. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's what I plan on doing, and then I'll have two preference points. Although... I was thinking, like you said, you, 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 you can't just go hunting on short notice. So if I weren't going to North Dakota fishing next week, I would have tried, because even with one preference point, maybe a lot of people out there with more preference points than me are just in the same boat as you. They just can't go, so they're not going to try and get the license. So I was thinking maybe I would have had a decent chance to hunt next week. You know, it's, if it, what I thought I understood, too, is they want to quick harvest 200 wolves. Right. I remember not that many years ago, we were telling the DNR about all the wolves in Wisconsin, and they they, they, didn't, they weren't interested. Now, now it's, I just think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they always come up with that magical number of 200. I, I don't know. I, it should be closer to 2,000. Oh, well, Tom's, Tom's like of the mindset of the Wisconsin outdoor news crowd. They... They they hate DNR deer management. They hate the wolves and oh, wait, uh, what I else? don't I don't hate anybody. What what else like do you what, what else do you guys gripe about? Yeah, I just, something. I just, I just disagreed. I don't hate. I'm not a hater. Well, okay, all right. You, you just like to gripe. <laughs> yep, um, there you go. Okay, so can't hey, gripe kids, at the get wife. Get off my lawn. <laughs> can't can't gripe at the wife because she'll put starch in your shorts. So gotta yeah. gripe at the DNR because they can't get you back. Um, but yeah, Rich, I, I it sounds good. Uh, put in for if you got four preference points this year, I would say by next year you should probably have a pretty good shot at uh, getting a shot at a wolf. Hopefully, you know, and there are a lot of wolves. I, I used to bow hunt uh, back in the uh, mid '90s. I used to bow hunt Clam Lake, and we up there you could you could uh, uh, camp in tents, and every night wolves, and they weren't the same ones. You heard them from the north. You heard them from the south. That yeah. and I bow hunt in the Cedar. I got some property in the Cedar, and there's quite a few wolves around there too. It's just a matter of most of those are in the refuge to where have, they're not going to have hunting. So it's you, you got to find the state land. Have you ever heard of wolves getting a guy's deer before he could get to it? Uh, well, I know I've seen I've had coyotes do that. I, I I've know. had coyotes, yes. I've had coyotes. They got one of my deer this year. Um, actually, I have. I have heard it. And they, if you if look at the coyote, what they'll do, they'll leave a lot of the stuff. They attack the, you know, like the anal area first. But the wolves, they just, they li- literally take it all. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I, uh, one more comment, quick. Uh, I, 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 the last bear hunt that I had a couple of years ago up around the Ashland area, I talked to two two different individuals that didn't know me from Adam and. 
they both made comments that they take care of their wolf population on their own, and I, I, I think that's that's very very painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's probably more pre- prevalent up north. Uh, I I heard the S S and S shoot shovel and shut up is kind of yeah. what I was told by somebody, and uh, yeah, so. I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, uh, it seems kind of like the trappers, too, have have kind of a edge on getting more of those wolves. And then, you know, if the trappers bump them off right away, I think it makes it harder for the guys that are, you know, trying to shoot one, you know, with a rifle. So Absolutely. I'm almost thinking maybe they should separate those as well. You know what I mean? Have so many permits for trappers and so many yeah. for the guys, you know, split it up. So you give, you know, so you give the hunters a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So. Well, we got to run. Thanks for okay, calling, guys, Rich. We show. appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, thanks. yeah good luck. We got to go to our top of the hour break right now, folks. So stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi. And every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back, folks. Glad you're sticking with us. Uh, I got my uh, extra something to drink while we're here because we got an exciting segment coming up. We are the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Every Saturday from 6 to 8 a.m., we come to you with a bunch of interesting stuff. At least we hope it is. And you can always be part of the show by giving us a call at 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And what do I mean by an interesting segment coming up? Danny's going to, Danny took a little trip for, for uh, excuse me, for Northern Pike, and he's going to tell us all about it, Danny, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So, uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Tilkey up there at Smokey's Musky Shop, Smokey's on the Bay. He's got a fantastic shop he moved his location he's right by the boat launch at the mouth of the fox river i was in there it's a great place i mean he's got a lounge area with a tv he's got awesome mounts there incredible selection of uh of bait custom uh, crankbaits for both uh, uh pike or excuse me muskies and walleyes so yeah stop up there so anyway tilki had told us on the air a couple years ago saying hey you know, they're catching some pike right out here in front of my place. So here's the situation. Uh, there's not always ice there, of course, because it's located right at the mouth. But when you get a brutal, you know, cold spell, yeah, you get about maybe, you know, eight inches ice out there right now, I'm guessing. So it freezes up. And there's, amazingly, there's a bunch of whitefish in there. You don't have to go all the way up to Sturgeon Bay to catch whitefish. Because I went up there, and there's guys jigging up whitefish right there in fact there was a guy from hudson minnesota he'd driven all the way up because he wanted some whitefish to smoke 
So he was there for a couple of days, and I went over and looked at his Vexlar, and he showed me I'd never used a Vexlar before. And he's showing me he had two jigs on, one on one on the kind of a one on the bottom and one higher up on the line. And then you could see the whitefish come up and grab it. And then he said when it when uh, when the whole school went through, sometimes his whole screen would light up. So he left at about noon. And then the uh, the Appleton West High School foot uh, fishing team came on out. Now the high school fishing tournament is today, the statewide tournament. And hopefully next week, Gus, who's a young man, young student, uh, he's going to call our show next week and give us the report. Uh, but evidently, the uh, according to Tilkey, the Sheboygan High School team is going to come on out, and they'll be fishing there today to try and get pike. But anyway, it's, I think the pike are in there. It's a big flat. I don't think there's, it's a staging type thing where they're staging for spawning like they do on the over by Swamico and Hook Road and some of those marshy areas. I, I think what's probably going on here is it's a midwinter pattern where those whitefish and shad are in there. And, uh, and Tilke mentioned this last year and that there's some pike cruising in there feeding on those. So I got up there on, uh, let's see, Wednesday at about uh, two o'clock and set up. Now, unfortunately, I had screwed up and I had some big jumbo shiners that I bought from uh, Dick Smith's, which were real nice big shiners. You really can't get the big sh jumbo shiners like we have down here up by Green Bay area. So we got to be thankful for the big jumbo shiners we can get here. So I had two live ones and one dead one. Well, I fished three hours and I watched some guys next to me land a big, fat 39-incher. And they were a couple hundred yards from me. Uh, and then I saw them run to the same hole and catch a smaller pike later. Looked real fat as well. Uh, but right at, at about 5.15, flag pops. And I'm like, in fact, Tom, it's kind of funny. I'm sitting in my chair and I started talking out loud. Uh, you know, you guys can all get me committed, I guess. I looked out at my three tip-ups and I said, come on, pop, pop. And just as I said, the second pop, poof, one of the flags went up on the far one. So I'm thinking, now that's more like it. So I ran out there, and I'm fighting this fish for a long time. And who would think that my first one's going to be over 40 inches? Caught a 41.5 on the board. No, no exaggeration. 41.5, and there's nobody there to even see it. I'm all by myself. I was the only guy out on the ice. No picture, no nothing. Uh, I just had to chuckle. I let it back down the hole. It was a big male. Um, it was uh, it was long, but it was, was, didn't have the mugambo like you catch one fat and full of spawn. You can yeah. tell. So I think it was a a long male. Uh, I went the next day, and it was a little bit slower. Uh, I caught a 33 as I was setting up out of the same hole. Oh, and I'll back up too, Tom. When I got out there on Wednesday. Uh, I didn't even drill any holes because some guys had left and I went out to a hole. My brother Tim taught me this trick. I went out to a hole where there was all kinds of blood on the snow. And I thought, this is the spot, my friend. And sure enough, same hole popped the 41 and a half incher. And then first thing in the morning, uh, I'm setting up my tip ups. I didn't even have the third one in the water. And I popped a 33 out of that same hole. But then I fished all day long, didn't get anything. So I thought, you know what? You don't like to leave fish to find fish, so I hated vacating that hole. 
But where those guys had caught the fish the day before, they told me they'd had eight flags and maybe caught about four. I saw them catch a 39. And they were local yokels from Swamico. I talked to them for a while. They used to fish Dead Horse Bay and that side quite a bit, but they'd started coming up. And I asked them, I said, well, how deep are you over there? And they said, well, we're about 10 feet. Now, I was fishing 12 feet. And I said, really? I, th I said, I thought it'd be deeper. He says, no, there's kind of a sandbar there. So I started thinking, you know what? Lake of the Woods, a lot of times we'd get them on the edge of sandbars. They'll kind of follow that, kind of like a pathway. So I went up there uh, late afternoon and set up in the same exact hole. He caught the 39-incher, and I popped a real fat 35-incher. And I'm telling you, Tom, I tried pulling it in and grabbing it myself. It started spinning in the hole and took off on, I think, the longest run I've ever had a pike take a run. It just smoked. Fortunately, my tip-up was clear because the line was coming right off the spool as it laid sideways on the ice at least 30 yards. And then the kids, the, the high school the team, uh, came running on over. And the one guy, one of the, one of the kids, I shouldn't say kids, they're almost adults, said, hey, I'll grab it, mister, if you want. I said, sure. So I put, they, they grabbed it and pulled it out, and they were more excited than I was. But that was a big, fat 35-incher, real nice fish. So you know what? I turned around and came home and I thought I'm not going to Lake of the Woods this year. If I can go out here and, uh, you know, and, and catch a big pike. And in fact, all the years I've been fishing from Peshtigo Harbor to Swamico to Sturgeon Bay to, to get one of those 40-inch pike through the ice, this is the first 40-inch bay pike I've ever caught. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was cool. Now, I've caught, my brother has caught 40-plus inches back uh, trolling the Sturgeon Bay Ship Canal back in the old Pike Masters days when uh, we were up there. And he, he caught a dandy 40-and-a-half-incher, and we had a bigger one break the line, and some guy beat us out with a 41-incher he caught casting a jake. Uh, and that was trolling Dunlop's Reef years ago with crankbaits. Never been the same since. So I guess we have got some big pike, but... I've never got one through the ice. I'd always be that guy with show up at Swamago, Peshtigo Harbor, O'Connell County Park 2, and all I'd hear is, oh, yeah, some guy got a 42-inch, a 41, a 40, a 43 last week, and I'd always sit there for 12 hours and catch nothing, a whole lot of nothing. So finally, I, I, I got those pike, and who would ever thought right in Green Bay, not Green Bay the bay, but the city of Green Bay. That's, that's, that is pretty neat, yeah. You know, and that's great that, you know, uh, Tilkey up there at Smokey's on the Bay, he gives that advice freely to anybody, you know, and which I think is great. He helps people catch fish because, well, you know, he knows they're going to come back to his place then, you know. Now, the only thing is, is you can't park in his parking lot and walk out because no. somebody, somebody apparently walked out and when he got to the rocks on the shoreline of the Fox River, tripped and hurt himself and trying to sue or something stupid just like people okay. in this world so you got to park around the corner um there's a spot you'll see where other cars park it's kind of like a big parking lot by the boat launch i guess you can park there and then you got to kind of walk around a little fence and go down over the rocks it's kind of a rugged kind of a rock uh, you got to be careful you don't spill all the stuff in your shed to get out there but it's not that far of a walk and you can set up now the only thing is i would be very careful with the ice because I was talking to those guys that were out there and uh, one of them had actually walked to a weak spot and went through and that oh. was by the shoreline but you got to realize you're at the mouth there is current so it's kind of a narrow window that you have to fish there but a guy has to wonder if they're in there now 
uh, if it uh, even went when there's open water earlier in winter, if you could possibly go into that flat and just kind of f fish with floats and uh, and live bait there, you know, maybe catch them from the boat. Who knows? I I it's it's kind of an unexplored frontier right there. Yeah, I know. I never fished right at the mouth up there, uh, but you know, I fished the Fox River a lot. And uh, one thing that's so interesting about that river is that you can catch a muskie, a pike, a walleye, a smallmouth, a largemouth, a carp. You can catch a, 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 a lake trout or some other type of trout. I mean, everything is in there, you know, white, big white bass in that. So it's like it's a very interesting river, especially with all those big pike and northern and uh, muskie in it, you know. So, yeah, that, that's a cool place. It really is. You know, one, but I never did fish at the mouth in the fall. Never. Did. One thing that I've always wanted to do is talk to the guys that go up and do the whitefish fishing up there in Sturgeon Bay or wherever on the bay. Uh, they do it not just up there. Like I said, they were getting them down by me. But see if they could sort through and keep the smallest ones, the, you know, like the 10, 12-inch ones. Yeah. Because those the guys that I talked to from Swamico, the guys who got the 39-incher, the guy we were, t I was talking about, man, it's hard to find decent sized bait up here. I, I got, had these big jumbos, but they died. And I, I said to the guy, I said, I, I've used, you know, musky sized suckers. And the guy said, you want to see what I'm using? And he pulled out and he had these beautiful, about foot long whitefish. Nope, and uh, I said, oh man, I've always wanted to try and get some of those. You know that those big northerns in the bay would whack those those whitefish. Yeah. And he said, yeah. He said, I went up and got these up by, I don't know where he was, by Dykesville or somewhere. He says, and I got these for bait. He says, I'm a firm believer as well. Big bait, big fish when it comes to the pike fishing through the ice. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Well, you know, our friend Ron Heidenreich, he... I don't know if he went up there this year for the whitefish, but in years past, he's usually gone up every year for the whitefish. But I don't know about this year. I don't know Don't know if he did that this year. I'll have to give him a call and find out. But right yeah. now, we can take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back. Danny's going to be with us for one more segment, and then I'm going to be all by my lonesome after 7.30. But I do have a special guest we're going to be calling at 7.30. So... Folks, stay tuned. We got more coming here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. All right, we're going to rock the house. Tonight, Big Daddy, welcome back to the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, and uh, thanks everybody out there listening, taking a ride on the train. Uh, I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Newbauer, with you for another quick segment, Tom. And uh, before I'm bolting out of here, can I mention something about eating pike? Sure. Okay, because I know you're a big fan of pike, and I was going to ask you, have you ever caught a pike somewhere and, and, and ate it? And it wasn't like typical good pike. It tasted wrong or funny or not good. I've I've had like maybe a piece of one that didn't taste right. But as far as the whole fish tasting bad, no, not the whole fish, but maybe a piece. So okay, because here's the yeah. deal. I was it was interesting. I was I was talking to these guys when I was fishing up there at the mouth of the fox. The guys locals from Swamico and. And they said, we, a couple of things we talked about. One thing, 
they they both mentioned, as I've said on the show a lot, that it's a real shame that there's not a slot limit up there on the bay. And I've gone on at length about this. Our friend Randy Reading has talked about it as well. We've tried. But because uh, they were talking about how they see guys, uh, in fact, the hole that I caught my 41-incher, they saw some guys whack a big one and take it home. He said, so a lot of the guys keep everything that they catch as far as pike fishermen. They whack them. Now, he claimed that he had a friend keep a 35-incher last year, and he told him, you're not even going to, you're going to throw it in the garbage. You're not even going to eat it. And when the guy went to cut it open to flay it, it smelled like sulfur, and the guy did end up tossing it. And he claims that the pike right there by the river not good. He said, maybe if you go further north towards Swamico and stuff, those pike probably okay. Um, and then I was talking to uh, Randy, who uh, Randy uh, Randy at uh, Midwestern Shooter Supply. He knows some guys who fish for pike on, on a certain bay on the Lake Michigan side, and uh, he plans on going for pike with them. And and they claim that you don't want to eat those pike either. That they taste crappy because the the uh, um, the pike are in there eating a bunch of gobies and so forth. And, uh, yeah, and so it kind of, I don't know if he even said it discolors the meat or makes it kind of greasy. I don't know. He just, I forget exactly what Randy said, but I found that interesting because I thought pike tastes good regardless of where you catch them. I just well, thought I, that was kind of weird. Yeah, I've never eaten one from the Fox River, okay? But years ago, before they started the cleanup of the river, uh, if we kept any walleyes, you would not want to fillet them and cook them right away because they had that, uh, I don't know, paper mill smell, you know. And so we would always have to uh, soak the fillets in a solution of half salt water, half milk. And we'd have to soak them overnight to get rid of that, that, that smell. And uh, But after quite a few years of them cleaning up the river, uh, we didn't have to do that then anymore. Well, so, that's interesting. You had told me that before, Tom, and that's what I thought of when these guys told me about the pike being bad. I yeah. thought to myself, well, years ago, I know the walleyes are, you know, weren't good, and you had to, like you said, do that. But I'm thinking, well, now I thought that it was all good now. But according to them, at least with the pike, it's not all good now. So interesting. I, I, I've never really thought about a fish tasting you think about deer that are going to taste good like if you shoot one central southern farmland feeding on corn this and that as opposed to a big old buck that's been eating cedar up in northern wisconsin and yeah you kind of think about it i mean it's like prime you know it's like some prime whatever veal or prime beef you know eating the best thing you'd think that as far as quality of meat but you don't think about what a fish eats affecting the quality of their meat or the taste but I, I don't know. I, then Randy was mentioning, I told him I'm going out to North Dakota. He said that the pike there, I think he said eat shrimp, I think he said, fresh, yeah. a lot of freshwater shrimp. Yep. And he said that the pike from there are especially delicious. So news to me, you know, I, I, ne- I thought a pike was a pike was a pike. But now I'm kind of fired up. I'm going to be getting some of those delicious, nutritious North Dakota pike. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds exciting. What what is the limit where you're going? Uh, I mean, no bother that. I just catch as many as I want. No, actually, um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> shades of Lewis, my father. <laughs> uh, someday I'll tell you a story about Lewis. Um, 
maybe next week. But actually, I think it's five or ten a day. I, I wow. think it's I think it's a lot. I think they got a lot of uh, a lot of pike up there. Is and, there a uh, slot on them? I do not. Price? I don't think so. I, I'll, you know, I guess it would behoove me to study the regulations. But the guy we're going with up there is a friend of Al Shooks, an old high school buddy of his. So he's the guy who is getting the whacking the jumbo perch up there. So we're going to be jigging. Oh, uh, even though I'm going to be here seven minutes, if in the next couple minutes, if someone wants to call the show and tell me. How to jig for perch through the ice, or what's a good tactic, or what's a good bait? Give a call 414-799-1250. Because Tom, I have never jigged for anything through the ice. I got one little jig pole. Al's got a bunch, um, and I bought some baits at. Uh, I was out at uh, Cabela's Bass Pro, and I found a, a bait made by Lindy called the Perch Talker. And uh, so I bought a couple perch talkers, and then I went online, of course, and it showed some guy jigging with the perch talker and catching perch, so tipping it with well, wax worms. I would so. recommend. I would recommend getting a couple of tungsten jigs. Uh, tungsten. Gold is a real good color to use. Uh, there are other good colors, but gold is one of them. Also, a dark red, a blood red color, is good too. And there's a thing called a, a beaver tail. It's actually pieces of meat cut from a beaver's tail okay and that my son nick has been using those and they catch a lot of them now now if you remember last week i mentioned on the show that at sherpers we had a whole bunch of them four different colors we had about two or three dozen of each one well there's there's still about three or four of each one left people came in and bought a lot of those the beaver tail beaver tails yeah but of course, you know the the, the waxworm is always going to work too. You know. Well, with the with the beaver tail, you, you don't well, even need a waxworm. You just jig correct. with the beaver. Yeah, and the nice thing about using the beaver tail is that you don't have to keep replacing it. It's kind of like uh, like an Uncle Josh pork frog. Remember that type of material? Yep, yep. So that you put it on and it's hard to get off. So it stays on and you can just catch fish after fish after fish without having to replenish the bait, which is nice. Which is nice. Which is so nice, yeah. I got that going for me, <laughs> which is nice. So anyway, <laughs> I and the Dalai Lama were fishing for perch there eh, in North Dakota. Um, so with the beaver tail, you think that'll work for perch too? Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, and you know what uh, else will work too, I think? Believe it or not, uh, because those perch are larger, I would say a regular mini mite. You know, that's a great idea. Uh, I'm going to bring some mini mites. That's a fantastic idea. I'm going to bring some mini mites with me too, because mini mites, as we know, work for everything that swims. Um, yeah, I, I'll probably bring that with me. Now, when you jig, uh, do you jig with a high lift drop or is it just short little jiggle, jiggle, jiggle? What's your short, short, short little jiggle, jiggle, then let it, then let it stay stationary. And sometimes you have to drop it down and work its way up slowly, you know, stopping every now and then and pausing for 5, 10 seconds. You'd be surprised at the number of fish that will bite the bait, you know, the panfish, crappies, perch, that'll suck it in when it's motionless. You know, the jigging part attracts them, but when it's motionless, that's a lot of times that's when they suck it in. But you got to start, you know, if you're using a locator, 
uh, you'll be able to at least to see where the fish are and take yeah, your I, jig close to them, you know. I, I saw that guy working the Vexlar. You know, I won a Vexlar years ago, and uh, I ended up giving it to my father. And uh, I, I'm guessing my brother has that now. Son of a gun, I'll bet Pop gave it to my brother. Um, but I've heard that it's really important to have a Vexlar. Now, what I'm sure these guys we're going with probably have them, but... I'm thinking yeah. there's probably so many perch there, they'll probably be able to tell you, let it down about this many feet and just work it, and you'll still exactly. probably get them. Yeah. It, it, at least I'm hoping it's kind of dummy-proof for a guy like me. I know when my brother went to Winnipegosh many years ago, I don't think they had any, I don't think Vexlers were even around back then when they'd go out there and, and jig the big perch. But if I went out to Sherpers in Oconomowoc, would they have those beaver tails? Yes, and uh, definitely get the white one. White? Yeah, get okay. the white one. I mean, the, it's they got purple, red, chartreuse, and white. Now, my son, Nick, he uses the white one and does very good on that. So. I'm going to get white and chartreuse. There you I'm, go. I'm going to go out there today. So, good tip, Tom. I appreciate that, pal. Yeah, no problem. Well, it's about that time. you got to get going. So, uh, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to say goodbye to Danny Bush. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, Danny. All right. Sounds good, buddy. I'll All be right. listening on and... uh, in my truck on the way. So yeah, that's keep it right. rocking, buddy. All right. That sounds like a plan. So All right. Hey, wait a minute. You're going to talk to us from your truck? No, I'm going to listen to you from my truck. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'll talk to you. You just won't hear me. Okay. Well, you have a good trip, Danny, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. All Thanks, right. Man. Yeah. And folks, we're going to go to our last, I mean, not our last, but our second to last commercial break. Got a special guest coming up on the radio. So stay tuned. You are listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Well, hello there, folks. It is me, Tommy the True Newbauer bushless right now but we'll be getting some great stories from danny next week and right now uh we got our caller on the line there yep he's all good to go all right right now on the line we got my son nick neubauer to talk a little ice fishing good morning nick hey good morning dad how you doing good you're going out today with some friends i guess right yeah uh going out i'm actually taking uh you know my family uh you know Harper, Van, Angie, and then uh, my best friend who lives in Chicago or Illinois now. Uh, he's actually making the way up, and uh, he's bringing his two little kids as well. So we're all going to go out, and they've never really ice fished before. Uh, my buddy, he used to fish with me way back when I first got married, like 2004 or something like that, and then never really did it again. So he's getting back into it, and he wants to get his, get his kids into it. So, you know, we're going to set out a handful of uh, tip-ups. Hopefully they can chase some flags and catch some small bluegills. Hopefully they're big, but... <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, you're talking about Nick. Well, same name as you. And yeah. back in the day, they called you two guys the Twin Towers because you guys... Yeah, me and state. Nick, have, uh, yeah, we were playing basketball ever since we were, uh, what, sixth grade we've been playing, so we played yeah, the same grade Yeah, and you guys school. won the state championship that one year. That was yeah, pretty cool, the Twin school, Towers. The and, of course, your friend Jake is going to be with you, right? Uh, he actually is not now. He oh, called no. uh, last night. He uh, said he wasn't feeling well, so he's had like bronchitis or something. Oh, so that's I said, yeah, bad. You stay home, stay away from everybody. So yeah, but you're gonna have your hands full with all those kids and that. 
Yeah, so the kids will be out there for a good, like, two to three hours, and uh, we're going to cook them some lunch out there, you know, some hot dogs. I got some brats going. Uh, I already boiled them, so we just got to brown them up out there. And then they're going to hang out for a while, you know, a couple more hours. They're going to head back, and me and Nick and uh, my brother-in-law, Joel, will be out there helping out. We're going to fish to the evening bite and see if we can get some of those those bigger crappies that have been coming in, the reports I've had. So Yeah, now, I was just telling Danny, you know, he's going to uh... – North Dakota perch fishing. That's why yeah. he had to leave early. And um, so the thing is, uh, I told him about the, the beaver tails because yeah. I told him how good good a success you've been doing. But you do something special to them, right? Yeah, I will take in that package. Let's say they give you what, twelve or fifteen of these pieces of the beaver tail. You can use them just like they are out of the package. But what I like to do to let's say half of them. Maybe I'll cut them long ways and make them even thinner instead of like, you know, they're real thin and more wobbly. Or I will take the, the piece that's in there and just cut the end of it and kind of have a twin teaser tail at the back. Or on the sides, I'll make a bunch of little cuts with my scissors and have all these little appendages coming out. Because with that beaver tail, the more it's in the water and the more fish you catch, that thing gets way, way more action. It gets more like, it just looks lively. And a lot of times, you don't have to jig it that much. Just your breathing and everything makes that. I was watching it in the top of the hole, just sitting there. It looks like a real slow-moving bug, and I'm not moving it because it's just my breathing and my shaking or whatever. And uh, it's a great bait. Um, and this last week, waxworms always work, obviously, and you can you catch fish all the time. But this last week, those outfished waxworms. They did, eh? By a lot. Hmm. So I don't know. If they just wanted maybe a little bit bigger profile, because I left them that long, I didn't cut them down to the size of a wax worm. I don't know. They they were all over it. So. Yeah, and they're not really that long. They're only what about three quarters of an inch? Would you say? <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're not all that big. Tip, then, what's yeah, that? I was going to say then if, if you didn't want to buy a pack of beaver tails and you got some old plastics plastic worms or like those tube jigs like we talked about with all the the tentacles on the end anything you cut and shave some of those into like you know like you said three-fourths of an inch size or even smaller and just play with that and get little things dangling off the side or this or that that works great as well so didn't you say your father-in-law was taking old uncle josh pork frogs and slicing those up yes and that um he was doing great on that this last week so yeah, <laughs> go figure. I mean, you can, and, and when I saw what the, they look like, after you start messing with stuff, they look like these beaver tails that you're buying. So, and that pork frog is tough. So you put it on the hook. Well, yeah, then it's hard to get off. off. Yeah. Yeah. But and still, the same way with the beaver tails, thing. right? Yeah, they, uh, I've had in the last week, or it was two weeks ago when I was using them a lot, I think I must have caught, let's say, 30 panfish, and then that thing got a little loose, and then it actually came off at one point. Uh, let's say maybe 40 fish I caught on it. Now, you're also but, catching a pike every now and then and a walleye every now and then, too, and a bass yeah, every pike. now and then. Yeah, yeah, jigging, yeah. Uh, what was it, let's say last week it was, or two weeks ago, we were out there, and, you know, we're jigging, we're catching bluegills, the flags are popping, you know, we're catching some pike, and then uh, a flag goes up, my little nephew runs out and he's pulling in and he's screaming, it's a big one. And then, you know, we, my, my brother-in-law runs over to help him out. Well, I'm sitting there with a tip down right next to me trying to go for crappies. And that thing goes down, 
the rod almost goes in the water. I, you know, I set the hook and I fought it for 15 minutes. Ended up being a 31 and a half inch pike, and I got it in. Wow. Not a little jig rod, a real little jig rod. <laughs> a little jig rod. <laughs> but, but I'll tell yeah, you, that's, the, the that's pike more... are popping. Hmm? Yeah. I was that's saying, yeah, more the, fun than lifting them popping. hand over hand, you know. It's a lot more fun yeah. that way. Yeah. It is. It is. It is fun. Yeah. I mean, even, like I said, that jig pole is so small. And fighting that thing, I thought the rod was going to break. Didn't you or your nephew catch a 20-inch largemouth? Or am I thinking of somebody uh, else? No, uh, this last week I went or I went out on Wednesday and I was jigging again for panfish. And yes, I had a twenty inch at least largemouth on up to the hole. I was about to lip it to pull it out, and my my jig pops out, and I stick my hand down the hole, which I shouldn't have because my, my my whole jacket's pretty uh, wet. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it bent my jig, the hook, like almost straight. That's why the thing popped out. But it was a big largemouth. Wow, you know that it takes a lot to 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 bend that jig hook, you know? Yeah. It really it's, does. Uh, it's a tungsten jig, too, so, you know, it's supposed to be the, I don't know, I, I know the jig head's the tungsten, but I thought maybe that hook would be a little more, you know, sturdy to pull that thing up, but. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Now, now, what's the thickness of the ice in places that you've been fishing? Oh, at least, man, 12, 14 inches. That one bay I fish is, let's say, five feet. I'm, yeah. It's got to be like 14, 15 inches in there. Have you, are you taking uh, out your power auger now? Yeah. I, yeah. I made the mistake uh, two weeks ago when it was still thick. I brought out my hand auger just to go light and move all around. I drilled, let's say, three holes, and I'm like, I'm done with this. So, yes, <laughs> I bring the gas auger going forward. You um, know, it's funny with those manual augers. You you find muscles that you didn't know you had before, you know, in spots. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like, I mean, that's uh, it's a motion that you generally don't do, you know? Right, right. And uh, um, yeah, that's that's tough. You know what you got to get for that hand auger, which is great when uh, when you only got you know four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven inches, you know. But uh, one of those adapters so that you can put a drill on it. Yeah, you know? I've been thinking about that. Yeah, um, yeah, I have uh, some of those Milwaukee drills, the eighteen volts that you're supposed to use on those, and mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. So yeah, I'll see once work. this gas auger dies out. Even though the the only disadvantage is I love it and it's so powerful and drills those holes quick it's just it's so heavy and i got that sled and this and that and when i move around the whole lake like that it's kind of nice to have something real quick just to bloop, bloop, pop those holes so yeah oh uh did did you see those uh, you know those, those bikes those all-terrain bikes that they have oh yes i, I have yeah. yeah now i showed um, you those at sherpers the other day i cannot believe that those things are four thousand dollars though yeah, I mean, that's the new hot thing now in hunting, and uh, I'm sure people start using them on the ice, too, I, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, I wonder if you could. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, in the snow, maybe, well, but I don't know about on, on salt, I mean, on ice. Right, if you had a little bit of snow on there, maybe you get the traction to go, but that is the hot thing for hunting. Everybody's talking about that. Now, I haven't seen anybody use them personally because, yes, the price is so high, but right. in all the hunting right. videos and this and that, you see those guys with them. Larry Smith is a big proponent of it. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 different. It's interesting, but but you do take a. I mean, well, you got the the portable shanty, and you got a yep. heater, which yep. I'll tell you, the last few weeks, it's a damn good thing you had that portable heater. <clears throat> oh yeah, if it's uh, you know, if it's in the teens or something like that, and a little bit of wind, I'll bring that shack and the heater just because jigging in the wind and all that it kind of stinks. But yeah, lately I have been bringing it every time. <laughs> so yeah. Oh. 
tell the people about uh, catching panfish, or, uh, the, the crappies, the, the late afternoon, early evening bite. How does that work? Yeah, lately it's been, uh, <laughs> you get out there, yeah, you're catching them. Let's say I'll go after work, and I get out of work a little bit early. So let's say it's 2.30, I get to the lake at 3. And uh, for the first couple hours, you're picking them up here and there. You catch some bluegills, maybe a crappie. But as soon as it was hitting 4.30, now it's a little bit later. It's like 4.45, almost 5 o'clock. It's like a switch. And these crappies, I, you know, I use my Vexlar, you know, they're about a foot, foot and a half under the ice or sometimes just in the middle of the water column. And they are aggressive. As soon as they, you know, they see your bait, they'll just fly, either fly up or you, you could coax them and every. It's like almost not one after another, but you are catching them or missing them for about a half an hour. As soon as that sun gets to like that tree line or a little bit lower, I feel like it's starting to shut off. Um, but then that's when I started catching walleyes on tip ups or on my jig pole, which I was pretty surprised about. Um, there's a little window of opportunity there where. Those fish are super aggressive feeding, and they just—it's fun. And and act, the panfish size lately have been getting better and better. In the beginning of the year, yeah, they're pretty small, or you have to really catch a bunch and sift through them to keep a couple for a meal. But now it's getting a lot better. You know, it's—it's. It's, uh, I mean, I, I always wonder why, why is it where you got that short window of about a half an hour or so, what, or fifteen minutes? What? Why do the fish turn on then? What do you think it might be? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Is it just oh, dinner bell feeding time? Here we go. Is it just an internal clock? <laughs> yeah, dinner bell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that that is know. weird. You know, that really is that. You know, I mean, you can catch fish all day long. You know, here and there and whatever. But it seems at a certain time they just go crazy and are biting everything. Yeah. You know. And then uh, so then I had the idea. I'm like. A lot of times I had to leave at a certain time to get home, and I never stayed into the night. So a handful of weeks back, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stay into the night for a while. And, yes, we're catching these panfish, and all of a sudden when it got dark, there was nothing. I think we caught one crappie like 7 p.m. or something stupid like that, and then no other panfish. But at that point, we had some tip-ups out, you know, with some small number eight trebles and fluorocarbon and small, um, small shiners. And we started catching walleyes that night at this lake, and that was pretty fun. So I, I never really caught many walleyes in southeast Wisconsin, so I was pretty excited when we caught you know a handful of them, actually. Yeah, that is, so, that is exciting. And, yeah, uh, yeah you've, been, you've been doing a lot of that ice fishing. And, well, I hope today, I mean, well, today you're going to have your hands full. You and your friend are going to have all <laughs> those uh, kids with you and all that, you know. So. But at yeah, least they're pretty good. So. Your wife is smart, though. She says, yeah, I'll go out for a little while, and if I get cold, I'll just leave. <laughs> that's, well, that's that's a nice thing where we live. We live pretty close to the lake that we fish. Yeah. And uh, so when somebody in the, somebody gets cold or these kids, something happens, well, my daughter, I take her out with me quite often, and it seems like every year this happens, and this year it happened again. I said, we, I get out there, I set up our tip-ups, we sit down, we start jigging, she's walking around looking at something, and she steps in a hole. Now i got to pack everything up, yep. go home, and do all this So. That's uh, one thing I'm going to tell every kid again: watch where you're walking. Because see, I was using a six inch six inch auger, but my power auger is an eight inch, uh-huh. and those kids' feet sit right in that hole. <laughs> and and you know, and, and seriously, and some people use ten inch augers, and yeah. you could be walking by and step in one of those and twist an ankle real easily. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, well, listen, Nick, uh, I'm 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 at the break time. I appreciate you coming on with me for a little bit. 
and I know oh, yeah, you got to no get. I, I know you got to get ready to go out. So, good luck today, and thanks for being on with me. Oh yeah, no problem. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll give you a call next week and give you a report how we did. All right, sounds like a plan. All right, thanks, Nick. All Bye right. Now. Yep. Bye bye. Okay, folks, we got we got one more uh, break coming up, but I'm going to ask you a question because maybe you know you people are smart and you might find this out now. When you get older, you start forgetting things, you know. And there's two things I was wondering if you if you knew the answer to. Number one, who invented the buzz bait? And number two, who invented the spinner bait? So who invented the buzz bait? And who invented the spinner bait? There's a reason why I would like to know that. I used to know it. I just don't know it anymore. We'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. It's the final This is the last segment of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. And uh, I was just wondering if anybody found that out yet. Uh, who invented the buzz bait and who invented the spinner bait? And the reason I bring that up was uh, <clears throat> I was going through some old YouTube stuff of Outdoor Wisconsin. And I remember when I did my, uh, 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 what, you, what, what would you call that, uh, demo tape. To, you know, they asked me if I wanted to you know, try out for the fishing educator job on the TV show. And uh, I did a demo tape, and I did it with a buzz bait, you know, explaining how it works, how to use it, you know, uh, with the trailer hook and the split-tail trailer and all that stuff, you know. And and actually, I, was, I did a show on Browns Lake. Uh, I was watching that on YouTube about using a buzz bait, and uh, it, it just brought back memories of so many years ago doing that demo tape on using a buzz bait, you know. But there's something else. You know, we'll see if somebody calls and finds out. You know, I used to know who invented the spinner bait and the buzz bait, but I just don't remember anymore. But I got to tell you about a new product that's on the line, that's out there. And the only reason I know about it is because I saw it at Sherpers and Hales Corners. Now, what do you do when you got a fly in the house? Okay, you, you chase it around, you look for it, you try to whack it with that fly. And what my wife gets really mad at is that the fly will be on a window, right? And I'll whack it with that fly swatter, and then you got that big smear of Vicky, you know, fly juice on the window. And my wife gets mad at me for doing that. Well, and it's like, well, I can't wait till it lands in a nice spot. You know, I got to get it when I can get it. But there's this thing out there called bug assault. Bug-A-Salt. Bug-Assault. What it is, it's a bug-killing device. It looks like a Nerf gun. You ever see those Nerf guns that the kids have? You know, you pump it, you know, and you pull the trigger, and it shoots a little Nerf out. Well, this, what you do is you load it. There's a special loading spot, and you load it with table salt. And you pump it, just like a Nerf gun. And when you pull the trigger, it shoots out uh, just a little pinch of salt. And you, it, it'll, it's good for about three feet. So you point it at the fly about three feet away, and you shoot it. And the nice thing is it doesn't leave a big splatter mark like on the window. It, it, it's kind of like uh, somebody shooting me with a double-odd buck out of a shotgun, you know. <laughs> I mean, the, those little grains of salt are killer on flies. 
I mean, I suppose it would work on bees, too, if you had them in the house, too. But I'll tell you, I just thought it was uh, very interesting that somebody came up with this idea to use salt to kill flies. And, but, you know, to tell you the truth, it looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you know, like if you've ever gone uh, trap shooting you know, or skeet shooting, shooting the clay birds with the shotgun, that's a lot of fun. Well, this is something that you can shoot indoors, and it's a lot of fun. At least it looks like it. So now I just got to see if I can talk to Mrs. Zitton and let me buy one of these things and uh, using it to kill. Because let's face it, we all get a fly in the house every now and then. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Uh, we got a caller on the line. Good. Who do we, we got? We got a friend of the show, Ron in Sussex. Okay. Hey, Ron. Hey, nice Tom. Talking to What's Morning. up? Hey, uh, you were talking about the spinnerbaits. I, I don't know who the heck invented them, but they, they were invented sometime in their very early 50s. I know. It was a long time ago. I'm I'm thinking of a guy's name, but I just... Who was the guy who invented the beetle spin? What was his name? I don't know. Uh, I used to well, know that, and I well, think that was the same guy who invented the spinnerbait. Okay. Yeah, because the beetle spin is a you know a little spinnerbait. Yeah. You know? you know, Nick was talking about the um, the beaver tail stuff. Yeah. That's really similar to something that's been around forever, that, that china bait. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The china bait is another one that's really good, too. I don't know yeah. where they get that from, though. Well, I know you can get it off uh, online. I don't know if I've finished no, I mean, what, what kind oh. of animal that comes from? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I have no idea. It's probably some kind of a you know a hide of, of some critter. Yeah, so. something. And and that beaver tail is actually from meat from a beaver's tail. Correct. Yeah. It really is. You know, I thought that was just a name at first. You know, but, but that's what it really is. It's it's weird. You know. Yeah, it works well. Yeah. Works well. But this, so, um, bug, this bug assault thing, i got to see if my wife will let me buy one of these things to <laughs> shoot the flies. I think that would be fun. I'd actually let them in the house so I could chase them around and shoot them. <laughs> yeah. then, you'll be, then you'll have granulated salt all over the floor in the house. Well, you know, it only uses a little pinch, so it wouldn't be that much, you know. Yeah. I suppose if you were shooting 50 uh, flies a day, yeah, it might be a lot. But if you're just shooting one or two every now and then, you know. Right. Won't be so bad. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about Canada. The border is not open. It is not. No. There, there, there's some talk about um, they would that for land crossing would be by car. Uh, yeah. They're they're looking at possibly um, having you have a um, COVID negative test within ten ten or twelve days of going in, and then you need to have the vaccination card. Oh yeah, then, that too. Yeah, yeah. And then, then you need to quarantine for two weeks. Well, most people oh go God. to Canada for a week, you know. Yeah. And and you can't really quarantine when you're, yeah. when you're, you know, you, you're not going to be staying in a cabin. You're going to be going out and about. Although outside's not bad, but right. Um, hey Ron, then, I hate you know, to cut you short, but it's time for me to go. Oh. Okay. All right. Thanks See for ya. calling. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Well, folks. That's about all I got for right now. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. Yeah, for Dan Bush, I'm Tom Neubauer, wishing you a safe and happy weekend. Talk to you all next week. Fast on a rough road riding high Through the mountains climbing Twisting, turning further from my home 